We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. What's up, guys? Um, I'm recording this outside because it's so damn hot down in uh, down in the South Bay. Not doing well beating the heat. Um, not a whole lot of 49ers news to get to other than Jordan Willis, the backup defensive end, getting suspended for the first six games of the season for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. Um, I would say Willis was probably a fringe roster player to begin with, just in terms of making the team out of training camp. So, you know, they brought in competition with Arden Key. Um, Samson Ebukam is obviously joining the mix. The 49ers are hoping D Ford will come back. Um, but overall, you know, it's, it's a hit to their depth, not a significant one, but now, you know, you look at what, what's happened over these last few weeks. You have Jeff Wilson Jr. going out with a knee injury. Um, Tavarius Moore tearing his Achilles. Justin School tearing his ACL. And now this. It's certainly not a good development. But um, if there is a silver lining, none of these dudes are, are starters. So um, so there's that. Uh, we are waiting on Kyle, who should be coming along any minute. And we will get going on this mailbag. Um, feel free guys to, to shoot your requests in if you have questions or about the 49ers or, or anything else you'd like to talk about. Uh, it looks like we got a small room in here, um, in here today. Uh, Tony in the chat says, David Lombardi has been harping pretty hard on the lack of depth at edge. What do you think about the current edge situation as a whole? Um, I would agree that there isn't a whole lot of depth there. Um, I think... I mean, obviously, Nick Bosa is the most important player the Niners have on defense, I think. And so, you know, he's coming off an ACL tear, so he's no sure thing. Um, we have no idea about D Ford other than he's been, you know, at the facility recovering, trying to get back into 
a place where his back will allow him to play football. Um, we don't know if, if that's going to happen. Ebukam is an interesting player, but, you know, I think his career high is four and a half sacks, albeit in more of that traditional, um, you know, he had, he, he was in a, he was a three, four outside linebacker. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think depth is certainly an issue, particularly because, you know, you don't have Ronald Blair, who was effective when he was healthy in 2019. You don't have Kerry Hyder, who led the team in sacks um, last year. So you don't have really a backup defensive end, maybe outside of Arden Key, that you really feel good about going into the season. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fair to, to be concerned about the overall depth at, at defensive end. I think, you know, most spots on the roster you could make that case about um just sort of a, a a general lack of depth like if there were a couple injuries here and there they would really be um in a bad way at certain spots so yeah i think it's a fair point to say that defensive end depth is an issue particularly since they didn't draft anybody there um and and a lot of us figured they would um kyle has joined us kyle what's going yeah, on buddy sure have uh i don't know i'm just trying to figure out all this new stuff I know it's green room now. Uh, yeah, this is great. Just trying to figure everything out and get all set up on my computer and yeah, that's what that's what we're doing. My AC <laughs> went out again, um, so it's miserable in my in my home. Yeah, it is eighty seven degrees inside here right now. Yeah, it's the same uh, in my room. I'm recording this outside in my patio. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> It's not the best. Um, I'm curious, what's going on with your uh, with your photo? You're drinking I, a beer with a mask on. Yeah, that's actually after the first time I golfed at Lake Tahoe Golf Course, where you and oh. I. Just played. Oh, yeah. got it. So yeah, so uh, I'm uncertain why I was still wearing a glove at the time. Maybe that's at. I believe it's actually at the golf course. Um, yeah, you have you have, have a glove on. The glove, the mask, and the beer. Just yeah. overall, overall, a lot going on. Um, but yeah, how's your uh, how's your week been going? A lot it of sucks. lot of. It's honestly, honestly, man, it's been a really <laughs> shitty week. Really? Why is yeah. that? <laughs> I'm sorry just, to hear that. It, it just it just one of those weeks where it's just like everything that could go wrong is a lot like the Niners 2020 season. Oh, there where, you go. Where where. Week one, Richard Sherman, D. Ford go down. They lose to the to the uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk don't play. They lose to the Cardinals. It's like okay, you know what? Cardinals almost beat them twice last year. They had a chance to win at the end. You know, if Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't throwing to Trent Taylor, you know maybe they'd be fine. Uh, but then you go into week two, and they get a big W. But Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas out for the year. And Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert get hurt. Week three, you know, you get another big win, but Jordan Reed goes down and. And uh, somebody else got hurt in week three. Um, Emmanuel Mosley, I think, I think got hurt in week three. There were so and, many. So you know, basically what you're saying is you know, your week time, is just piling up like the 49ers injuries. Yeah, just every time it's like, oh, here we go. Something's going right. It's like, nah. It's like jokes on you, man. So yeah. that's, uh, that's what we're dealing with. Not a big deal. It's going to be fine. And... Um, We'll uh we'll do a good show and answer some questions. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on after dealing with with all the adversity, especially without the air conditioning, because I know beating the heat is a big deal, and I think it's, the heat's kicking both of our asses today. 
Yeah, the the Heat is really like beating the Heat is legitimately one of the only things I care about. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm not able to do it right now without an air conditioner. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's that time of year. I mean, it, we were we were pretty lucky in how cool it was for a while. But yeah. um, do you remember? So do you remember where you were exactly and what you were doing when the Jordan Willis news came down today? Yes, actually. <laughs> I was on a phone call. I was on a phone call for work, and I saw the news come down. I believe Field Yates from ESPN first tweeted it, <laughs> and I went, I need to get on this. And yeah. then uh, the 49ers tweeted it out. And it just kind of it, – it's like if he was going to miss training camp – and preseason games, and it was going to be a big thing. It'd be one thing, but uh, I don't think that he was a key piece to their defensive line. So yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's just kind of a. I I'm more focused right now, 49ers wise, because there's not a lot going on. I'm more focused right now on the fact that uh, these Trey Lance throwing videos keep popping up. Mm-hmm. And. Let me pull. Let me pull up Instagram and see what's happening with those. Because I've seen them, but I got. I'll rewatch just if we're. Yeah, gonna Quincy, talk about Quincy Avery, his his personal quarterback coach, posted some, and then uh, another quarterback coach from QB coach McAvoy. Yeah, that's him. That's the guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, posted another like thirty second video of Lance throwing. And I have no idea what to make of it because it yeah. looks like the ball is coming out of his hand really nice and really smooth, and he looks mobile and fast, and and uh, he still has that formidable size. And it it I I just I have no. It's like oh wow, this is a, this is this is exciting. You get to see you know kind of what the new quarterback looks like. But then it's like it's throwing on air. There's not even offensive linemen. There's no pass rush. It's like watching a pro day, except he's wearing, I think he's wearing a 49er shirt. Right. Yeah. That That's it. It's just like an extended, <laughs> it's like he's doing a bunch of stuff that I knew he could do already. Yeah. Yeah. So, it is, it is, I mean, I guess it's a good thing though, that he's, he's working and taking this time to, to work and not just vacation. Um, I think, and we mentioned this earlier, but like, I'm expecting that, like, by the third week of August, this to be a pretty heated quarterback competition, or at least Trey Lance to be putting enough heat on Jimmy Garoppolo to where Kyle Shanahan's not going to name a week one starter until week one. Um, so I, you know, I, I think this is all, and I, I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo is working too. He's just not a uh, not a video on social media guy, right? But. Um, but yeah, I don't Which, know. I th- if I, I think looked like that, I would be. If you looked like Jimmy Garoppolo, you mean? Yeah, I would be videos of everything I do, guy. Oh, you'd, up be, some you'd, eggs. you'd you'd become an influencer. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, what would your what would your favorite product be to to sell on Instagram or model for or be an ambassador for or whatever? Uh oh, I've got this. All right, so shaving cream. Because then you can do the or razors, which you and I have very different answers. <laughs> because then you could do then you could do the shirtless like you know 
shot over your shoulder in the mirror and you know, oh, right. slow shave. Yeah. Right. Maybe I've just been watching golf all day, but I think I would, um, I would probably go with something like, uh, net jets or something like that. I don't even know what that is. dude. It's a private plane rental service. Sure. Like if you don't, if you're rich enough to afford private planes without actually purchasing like a G4, you hit up net well, jets and pay 50 grand to, to go on a four hour flight somewhere. I mean, the reason I don't that have would be the move is because those things are just money pits, you know, <laughs> okay. all the service on them and the carbon footprint. Uh, somebody, Tony in the chat asked my take on the edge situation. Yeah, I gave mine right before you hopped on. Yeah, I heard I heard the tail end of it. So I might be just repeating what you said a little bit. But the more I think about it, the more I think that the 49ers operated the way they did at edge this offseason because they're confident D Ford is going to be ready in some capacity. Okay. Like I I don't if they were going to because when we first heard from John Lynch about D Ford he wasn't even optimistic that he was going to be playing at all, much right. less be ready for the start of the season. So I had just kind of in my mind written off D Ford playing at all this year. And if he, you know, came back in mid season, then, then, then that would just kind of be a bonus for, for the 49ers. But the fact that they didn't, and I know it wasn't a super deep edge class, but they didn't, they signed Samson Abukam, who has in his career been a, situational edge rusher and I, I i don't think that he's the kind of player that they think is gonna gonna step in and be a, a major contributor i guess on the, i think on we the... disagree on that okay but, con- but continue with your point so he was oh we're about to debate a samson abuco uh <laughs> so lock in everybody he's uh, do a tweet teasing this conversation yeah. No, I, so so the fact that Abukam was their only real addition, and that's not to take away. I don't I don't think he stinks, and I think that if, if he's a six and a half, seven sack guy, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But still, edge depth was such a big deal for them, and even if you take it, take the Abukam signing and say that he's going to be this really good edge rusher. Um, after that, the pickings get very slim. It's right. the Jordan Willis's and the Arden Keys and players that it's like, man, I don't even know if they're NFL roster guys, much less playing significant snaps. Right. So to me, it's Nick Bosa, it's Samson Abukam, but then if it's D Ford as well, all of a sudden that edge rush group looks looks a lot better. And to me they're their inactivity at the position this offseason starts to make a lot more sense um, if if Ford is is healthy. So yeah, so that's my thought. yeah, I, I I still think there's a possibility that somebody like Justin Houston or um, uh, Melvin Ingram could be Demontre signed. Moore. Demontre Moore is he still available? Could we revive the Demontre Moore conversation? God, that would be fun. God, I want it so bad. That would be good. I would actually enjoy that. Um, <laughs> But no, so so they still could make upgrades with with some of these veterans, right? Or at least add situational guys. Um, I think this is you know once once July comes and you know coaches and personnel people get back from their vacations 
and take another look at their roster in the free agent market, I think there's a, a reasonable chance the 49ers at least give some somebody like that um, a lot of consideration. So Interesting. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I, I think where I disagree with you on Ebukam is, is the is the point that like, you know, you just look at and this is all projection, right? This is I don't I don't sure. know I'm, I'm not a you know, I'm not a scouting savant. Um, but you know, you look at his athletic profile and you look at the way he was used in L.A. You know, he he's he's basically going and he said it in in a press conference with us. The big difference between his role with the Rams and how he's going to be used with the Niners is that this is going to be far more attacking role. Um, and what he was doing mm. before was a lot of reading and reacting and even playing into coverage and moving into the flat um, and things like that. And it sounds like he's just going to be allowed to, to pin his ears back and, and get after the passer. And so given, you know, the athletic profile that he has and, and how explosive he is and how good of an athlete he is, there's potential that he could be a really helpful pass rusher. I don't, you know, I don't know that, um, I don't know that, that, you know, I'm not predicting that to be the case, but like, you know, Shaquille Barrett, I think is probably the best, the best case scenario or the best example we've seen of a guy who might've been, you know, miscast in sort of that three, four outside linebacker role with one team gone somewhere else. And then played really well, and obviously, you know, cashed in in a significant that would be way. Wild. And I'm not saying that would happen, but it could be um, that you know, it could be a level of that. It could be you know, if he's if Samson Ebukam is ends up looking like um, Shaquille Barrett light, or you know, 65% of of Shaq Barrett in a in a rotational role, then I think you know, I kind of think that's what the 49ers are hoping for. Um, so. You know, I, I think it's a possibility just given his athletic his athletic profile in combination with the new role. That said, I'm, I am a little surprised the 49ers didn't at least draft an edge guy um, because I don't know what they can expect from Arden Key. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to guess not a lot. Yeah, I, I, and, you know, I not addressing the position means you're probably going to play Eric Armstead at defensive end a bunch, um, which you know, is is proven to be not the best way to utilize him, particularly in pass rushing rushing situations. So, you know, there's they might it, it's not a bad defensive line by any means. Like if if they roll out Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, and D Ford, like that's a really good defensive line. It's not as good as it was in 2019 when they had DeForest Buckner, mm-hmm. but that's a really good group. And if Ebukam can, you know be be helpful in, in a situational role if Ford's healthy and he doesn't have to just assume Ford's role. Um, then, you know, you, you could have you could have a good enough group. But um, but because like there are so many questions, particularly with Bosa just coming back off the injury with Ford's uncertainty, with Ebukam adjusting to the new role, I am surprised they didn't draft somebody that they liked. Um, and maybe yeah, they just didn't like anybody. Undrafted free agent or Right. I, I just it's 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 less about Abucom and more just the kind of uh, the inactivity at the position because <clears throat> when we were talking preseason, excuse me, when we were talking preseason, we were talking like defensive end is one of their top needs going into the offseason, and that obviously changed. You know, when you trade up to number three in the draft, all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're not you're not going to go edge in the first round anymore, but. 
it was it was such a high priority when just kind of looking at their needs and you know Nick Bosa coming off a torn ACL you don't know what he's going to look like although all reports on his progress have been have been really good um just to drive your point home about Shaq Barrett though I know it's pie in the sky and completely crazy to compare them but I'm just saying that's sort of that's like the ideal scenario the 49ers are hoping for Right, right, and and I just want to just want to help make your point here. So through their first four seasons each, that's how many Abu Khans played. That's how many years Shaq Barrett and naturally as I as I close the close the tab on accident. But Abu Khan played three more games. I'm going to try and do this from memory. He played three more games. They have the same amount of sacks. Um, Abu Khan has one fewer pass defense, one fewer forced fumble, and seven fewer quarterback hits. Like, they're very comparable from a statistical output standpoint. You're but, talking about Barrett with the Broncos before he yes, went to Barrett, Tampa? Okay. Barrett with the Broncos. But then but then, Shaq Barrett obviously went in and led the league in sacks his first year in Tampa. He had 19 and a half. Right. But I think a more realistic, because like you said, that's pie in the sky. If they're getting 19 and a half from Abucom, they're, they're like winning the Super Bowl. No, if but, they get like six, <laughs> they'll do backflips. Yeah, right. But I think I think a more realistic like ceiling for Abucom is is Shaq Barrett's production this year, or this this past year in 2020. He had eight sacks, and I think right. if the Niners are getting let, let's say Nick Bosa gives you ten and you're getting eight from Abucom and and D Ford can get you four and a half or five, that to me feels a lot better than you're getting nine or ten from Bosa. You're getting five or six from Abucom, which is probably more of a realistic number. And then what are you getting from Jordan Willis? Uh, is is Eric Armstead suddenly going to be back to, to getting you eight? After, after they need him to. You had a, a couple last year. It, right. And that's where maybe, maybe that's where I'm erring in my thinking is they're looking at Eric Armstead and saying, okay, well, Javon Kinlaw is going to be better. Uh, and having Nick Bosa back is going to help Armstead, and Armstead is just going to be a monster uh, as an edge rusher again. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't, I just, I really think a lot of signs point to increased optimism on D Ford as well. Yeah, I, I think for the 49ers defense to be what they need it to be, to be like Super Bowl contending type of defense, mm. um, mm-hmm. I think Nick Bosa needs to be a defensive player of the year candidate. And I think yes. he probably needs 14 sacks and, you know, four forced fumbles and force a lot of interceptions with pressures. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I ultimately I think that's the most important thing, because he's he's a one of those players like a, a rare singular talent in the league that can sort of transform an offense or defense on his own. And, like, if Nick Bosa is just winning outside every time and you have to chip him and um, you're able to get anything uh, from the other guys along the defensive line because all the protections are shifting that way, then you're you're going to be a, a really tough team to play against. And so, ultimately, like, I think Nick Bosa's health is the most important factor um, right. when it comes to the Niners' defenses here because, you know, it goes back to the secondary, too, like, it, I think Jason Verrett's good. I, I don't know that we can count on Jason Verrett to be healthy the entire year. Um, I, agree. I don't. I don't know what you can count. Uh, what what you can expect from Emmanuel Mosley and whether or not he's, 
you know, a, a, a plus player for you or whether or not he's going to get beat out by, by one of the rookie fifth round picks at this point. Or I guess mm-hmm. Ambry, Ambry Thomas was a third round guy. But, um, yeah. Mid round. The, the, the point is, you have questions in the secondary which could be band-aided by a good pass rush. And mm-hmm. the most important part of having a good pass rush, in my opinion, is just having a healthy Nick Bosa. So to me, defensively, that's the biggest key for the 49ers this year is just to get a healthy season from Nick Bosa um, because it, you know, I, with the type of football they want to play, like they need the defense to, to be good because I think they, they want to run the ball a lot. They want to control tempo. They want to run an offense like they, like they did in 2019 and not have to try to push the ball downfield, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance as a rookie. Um, so yeah, it's, you, you, the offense is going to be good, but I don't think it's you. I don't think you're going to be able to count on the offense to be explosive, like, um, you know, like in 2019 against the Saints. Like, I don't think you can just count on that type of performance from the offense until maybe they add another receiver, or until we get a, a look at at what Jimmy Garoppolo actually looks like coming off the ankle injuries. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying the pass rush is really important because, and you know, John Lynch will say it like they. This is the most important part of the roster. This is what they built the team around was a defensive line, which is why I'll still argue they they shouldn't have traded DeForest Buckner. But that's that's a topic oh for that that's that a topic a for the uh, <laughs> that's a topic we can talk <laughs> about when the uh, when the Colts are coming to to Levi's. I think is that October? That's early yeah, October. Yeah, week right? seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah definitely October. Uh... Yeah, week week seven, Sunday night football. Monday night football, Sunday night football. Sunday night football. Sunday night. So I I you hit on something interesting there and I I think if the forty ers are gonna be good this year and I think they are, I, I, I think you know, health permitting health relatively permitting, you know, you're not gonna get through a full season without losing any games to injury, but like you said, you have a fully healthy season from Nick Bosa. The quarterback situation works out. Um, and, you know, no receivers go missing for extended periods of time. If the 49ers are going to be good, again, I think it's going to look a whole lot like 2019. Yeah, I agree. Um, unless unless Trey Lance is playing quarterback. But even but even then, I, I think it's going to look a lot like 2019, just with maybe a couple designed quarterback runs here and there. Yeah, that's true. I, least, I don't know. At least in year one, in 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 his in his rookie year. Okay, so uh, if you if you had to guess, like if you had to ascribe a ranking to the Niners' defense right now, where would you put it? Like in oh, what Jesus. in what neighborhood? Because keep in mind. The thing about 2019 was the Niners had arguably the best defense in the league. Right, right, and that's what that's what I was I was I was saying. I think that's kind of where they're going to have to be again in that top kind of six to eight range right now. Yeah. Man. Uh, am I predicting where they're going to finish? Like. Going into the season, do the 49ers have, like, a top five defense, a top ten yeah. defense, a top 15 I'm gonna, defense? I'm going to say top 13. Okay. But, see, but... See, I think if if we're making... If we're talking about how this team compares to 2019, I think that's probably the biggest difference, right? Because what you don't have this year, most likely, is Richard Sherman. 
Um, and if they do happen to sign Sherman, I don't know that he's going to be an all pro type player, which he was in 2019. And then you also, sure. you also don't have DeForest Buckner and you have Nick Bosa after an ACL tear and D Ford after, after a significant knee injury. So if the 49ers are going to be a Super Bowl contending team, I think the offense does need to get considerably better. Interesting. Um, unless, you know, like we like considerably we've been better talking than about, the second highest scoring offense in the league. Yeah, I mean the thing was about that season, like they didn't they 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 did have a very good offense. Um what but okay but I me, think it needs to be better I think it needs to be better because the defense is is not going to be as good so they're going to be like the, the Niners didn't get blown out at all in 2019 all three of their losses were, were really close right 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 um, but I think uh, so okay so maybe a couple of their losses are a little worse and a couple of their wins are a little closer but I think in general if the, if let's let's fast forward to a future where the 49ers are in the Super Bowl. I don't think we're going to be looking at it and going, wow, this this defense dragged a bad offense or vice versa. Sure. I think it's very much going to be like, hey, it's Fred Warner, it's Nick Bosa, it's Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon, and look at all the freaking yak these these <laughs> receivers in George Kittle pile up. The yak bros? The yak, yak City, I believe, is the... So the yak bros. How good? Okay, I so I legitimately had pushed that out of my mind <laughs> until you said it just now. I was like, "That's a funny thing Chris said," but no, that was a real thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just i I think just the overall for the 49ers to contend, I don't expect the defense to be like top three like it was in 2019. I think it could definitely be top ten and good enough. But even though the Niners were the second highest scoring team in the league. Um, I think the offense is going to need to be better than it was in 2019. And maybe, you know, I, oh. I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I think it's, the, the offense is probably more talented in yes. 2019. You yes. can make, like, if you Wait, go you through Wait, you think he's more talented in 2019? No, this year. Oh, okay. okay. More I talented. With the exception of maybe the the third receiver spot. But I do think, like, I think Brandon Ayuk is the most talented receiver the 49ers have had since Kyle Shanahan has come on. And I think he has... He's been the most ten- talented receiver since Anquan Bolden. Yeah, that's probably fair. I didn't put enough thought into it, but I think you're probably right. Um, and so, you know, maybe he turns into a star, and maybe all this discussion about the Niners' receiving core is moot because you have a really good one and two um, in addition to what you have in George Kittle, who's probably going to lead the team in receptions if he stays healthy. Right. So you could make the case, I think the differences between 2021 and 2019 is that the offense is more talented um, because you do have a better stable of running backs now. I think Trey Sermon is a real addition. Um, I think Brandon Ayuk is, like we said, more talented than any receiver they had in 2019. If Debo Samuel stays healthy and George Kittle stay healthy, then the offense could be better than it was. And you could potentially add a receiver at the trade deadline or whatever if, if you know, Kyle Shanahan thinks the Niners are the best team in the league like he did in 2019. Um, and then, you know, you might not be as worried about the defense if the offense is better. Because if your defense well, can just 
you know, because like the Chiefs haven't had an elite defense. They've just had enough playmaking on that side to, to complement Patrick Mahomes enough to, you know, to get the ball back occasionally to, you know, Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones can bother the quarterback. Like, you know, yeah, there, I, there are elements of the defense that can be good enough for the Niners to win a Super Bowl. I just think it's going to take the offense going to a different level. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think I agree with that. You you swung me. Okay. <laughs> I do I, I I do think the receiver thing's interesting though because I'm harping a lot on the the third receiver spot. But I'm doing that with the with the idea in mind that Brandon Ayuk just kind of has his rookie season again. And Debo Samuel, you know, his his health is a question mark. But if Debo Samuel's healthy and Brandon Ayuk develops the way you know, you just kind of mentioned where he's a thousand yard guy this year. How many teams with two good wide receivers have a really good third? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. Yeah. There the are, there third, aren't the a lot receiver, of really good third receivers. The third, the third receiver is mostly inconsequential when you have a tight end like George Kittle. Yeah, that's fair. Is that what I'm saying? That's fair. And they're going to be, I, I think, Going like one of my predictions about the team going into the season is they're going to be among the league leaders in two receiver sets and twelve and twenty one personnel and all that. I think they're going to try to run the shit out of the ball. Yeah, and, I, um, I think that's, that's going to be their formula. So like the third receiver stuff, while you know it's an interesting talking point, I guess right now I don't know that it's ultimately going to be that important because of just how they, uh, how how Kyle Shanahan constructs the offense. Um, yeah. We have a. Uh, I'm gonna give Tracy the invite. Hopefully, Tracy doesn't decline the invite to speak. Um, I almost declined it just because. Yeah, that would have been a great bit. Tracy Sandler, <laughs> Fangirl Sports Network, checking in. I'm just too nice, but I almost declined it just for fun. How's it going, Trace? Oh, it's going well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're struggling good, to beat Tracy. the heat. Yeah, somebody in the chat, somebody in the chat said, "I thought this is a beating the heat pod." Not today. Heat's whooping my ass. Yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah. Also. It, it's hot. It's hot. Uh, I'm in Southern California right now. It's not exactly cold here. No. You have air conditioning. I do. Congratulations, beating the heat. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That makes one of us. So, Tracy, where were you when the Jordan Willis news came down today? Oh God, great question. <laughs> it actually it is a great question, and I believe I was actually sitting at my computer doing some work. So when I saw I saw the news, like almost immediately as it hit. So that's isn't that good. thrilling when that happens? I, 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 I'll never forget Just... where I was when when the trade in late March came down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just you just it's it's both like. It's both like a holy shit moment, but it's also like a moment of being terrified because you're like, wow, now I got to Now I know what the next four months of my life are going to look like. I was on Move a call aside, trade, when that trade, trade came down and I was like, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I was publishing a Kevin Givens piece. I think I've mentioned that before because that was when the news came out about his arrest oh, in Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Kevin Givens, low-key, one of the big winners from the the trade-up to get Trey Lance because his issues were just completely 
completely brushed under the rug, and I don't even think anybody's answered a question about it at this point because of it. So, I was uh, I was in Hawaii just waking up from uh, getting engaged. Oh, so you're engaged? <laughs> wow. I haven't heard that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, anywho, uh, Tracy, the 49ers defensive end situation. Do you believe in D Ford? Do I believe in D Ford? Um, just a, as a concept. Just as a like, you know, you got you got this, D. Um, I believe a healthy D Ford. I believe strongly in him. I do not necessarily believe that he will be healthy. So I sure. think that is where my my belief wavers as a concept. I totally believe in him, one hundred percent. I just don't what necessarily he? believe he's going to be on the field for very long but i hope he proves me wrong sure 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 um let me frame that question this way okay do you think the 49ers did enough at defensive end this offseason i did before i looked at my computer earlier today (laughs) (laughs) so you were counting on jordan willis i was counting on jordan willis but i was counting on a little bit of depth yeah, sure. I don't know that you know. I don't know that my feelings on Jordan Willis and what he was going to do in the offense or in the defense, actually, or the offense for that matter. But um, <laughs> what he was going to do in the defense, it's not like I was like this is the Jordan Willis season we've been waiting for. But I did feel that it created depth at a position where they needed it. Now I think they got themselves a bit of a problem at least till week seven. I have a little bit of news because I just Googled. Um, oh, Roscoe is Roscoe's not happy about excited. it. Roscoe, um, breaking the news. <laughs> um, Dion Jordan's a free agent. So oh. maybe there's a Dion Jordan reunion coming in the future. I have a I have a piece coming out on Niners Wire about this. Do you? About Dion Jordan being a free agent? And DeMontre Moore. And Whoa, Ezekiel. BG, you were scooped. And Ezekiel Ansa. Oh, great point. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, there are options. And Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston. Back together. Yeah. Anytime you can yeah, you can I, run back that, that twenty twenty defensive line, you gotta do it. No, seriously, but when you look at the defensive ends <laughs> that are that are available, like I don't think low key a very funny comment, by the way. <laughs> I don't I don't think they're they're gonna go sign Melvin Ingram. I would be a little bit surprised if they signed Justin Houston. I think if they make a move there, it's going to be like Demontre Moore, just somebody they know they can plug in right away, uh, who's who's well liked in the locker room. Uh, Alex Okafor, who was with the Saints for a while and then spent the last couple of years with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. um, just a you know career rotational guy who can come in and get you three or four sacks. He's big; he can play inside a little bit, I think too. I think if they're going to make an addition, it's going to be a player like that. I don't think. I don't know. I just I think if they were going to go get a Justin Houston or a Melvin Ingram, they would have done it. I agree with okay. Kyle. That's fair. Yes. Um, You're welcome, Kyle. I have <laughs> I have some news, some some other news to bring to the pod, and this is actually I'm actually reporting this. Um, George Kittle is in the process of building a five hole golf course on his new property in Nashville. Oh, it's ha- breaking it has, news. Three par fours and two par threes. And according to a source, he's calling it Nash Gusta. Which is the source his Instagram? 
Uh, I don't reveal my sources, but no, it's not his Instagram <laughs> per se. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so there's some exciting Not news since that is that exciting news. Work. Yeah, um, I'll ha- I'm gonna I'm gonna try to bother him to go play it and maybe write a review about it for the newspaper. That sounds right? fun. Because that would be, I think people would read that. I think people would read that. I'd read it. Kyle, would you read it? No, no chance. <laughs> okay, well, so you got one. <laughs> we got one. That's all. That's all I need. Um, <laughs> anyway, not a not a whole lot to talk about. Um, if anybody Seriously. has questions in the room, you have Tracy I, here who will also help us answer some of your pressing questions you have about the Forty ers um, or anything else, really. Or anything, yeah. Just you need advice, life advice. I'm here for you. I did. Oh, find you have life advice. On- Oh yeah, do you guys need some? Um Yes. Oh, how boy. do you how do you not how do you go back in public after being in quarantine for fourteen months and not be a complete weirdo? I think it's honestly like riding a bike. You just go right back at it. I actually think it's kind of amazing how quickly humans can adapt to situations. So I think okay. you just go back out and, and be yourself, Beads. Alright, I'll write that down. Mm-hmm. Should have learned that before Wait. Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sorry. He should have definitely asked me that last week, but at least. <laughs> um, Connor in the chat asks, "Do you anticipate Richard Sherman coming back to San Francisco?" Um, mm. Do I anticipate it? I wouldn't say I anticipated it. Um, I have I reported I think last month that the two sides had talked. Um. But I don't know how how legitimate the interest is. I think um, I think if there was interest, we probably would have heard by now. Um, and I think it might be a situation where whoever is interested in Sherman is in a holding pattern, potentially waiting to see if somebody gets hurt at the position. Um, because I think if you know if something were to happen to Emmanuel Mosley or uh, Jason Verrett, then I think it would it would make a lot more sense to bring in Richard Sherman. I don't. I think it's kind of a, a weird situation. Like if you bring Richard Sherman in and he's not a clear cut starter, right? Like, because yeah. Richard Sherman has enough equity in the league that, like, all right, if you bring him in, you're starting him. But I don't know that you could say that Richard Sherman is better than Jason Verrett or Emmanuel Mosley right now, particularly coming off all the injuries that he dealt with last year which are kind of scary because they're basically all related to his torn Achilles from 2017, which he's been, which he's really been dealing with in a significant way since that injury. So um, I think the only way, I, I think the most comfortable way, if you're a team that needs a cornerback, I think you just have to have an opening in the starting lineup that Sherman can kind of just slide right into because he, I don't think he's going to be a player that's going to come in in August and, you know, compete and put his body through it, uh, you know, put his body through the competition to start. I think if you bring in Richard Sherman, it's under the assumption that he is going to start. He doesn't have to compete necessarily for that job because, you know, he can play it at, at, at a reasonably high level. Um, and the 49ers aren't really that type of team right now because they do have their corners intact. But um, what do you guys think? I would agree with that assessment and I don't I don't know at this moment if it's a benefit for the team to have him come in in like a cornerback competition situation or 
to come in. It's not a clear cut starter. I just think it, it creates a, a friction in a position group where they don't need it. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. too deep for tonight's pod? But I think, um, that's kind of my feeling on it. And I also totally agree with you that there's, I think there is a team out there who's interested and is just in a holding pattern. I just think probably his time in San Francisco is done. And because we just said that, he'll probably sign in the morning. But, um, but I <laughs> do is, Tomorrow is Friday. News does happen to come news, down. On Friday, <laughs> exactly. So. so I do. That is, that is my feeling on it, though, as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. Okay. I, just don't, I don't know where, I don't know what he would, what he would, what he would, role he would take on. Yeah, and I've been asked... You know, people always talk about, oh, can Richard Sherman play safety? Like, to me, no. <laughs> I mean, can he line up there? For sure. He could line up there and know what to do, but, you know, being a safety requires, a, like, it will push him to use his speed and range and all of that in a way that yeah. he doesn't necessarily at corner. And I think that's much harder to do at this point in his career coming off the injuries he's been dealing with. So... No, I don't think Sherman can be can is is a real viable option at safety. Even though a lot of people that, seem to to make that a talking point. That's honestly one of my biggest pet peeves, is when a corner gets older and they're like, "Oh, just move him to safety." Right. Like, it just that that makes it's like a shortstop's old. Just like, oh, move him to first base. Like, yeah, maybe, right. maybe, maybe you can do that. But that it's not just a given that a corner turns thirty two and you just move him to safety and they're good. Yeah, and I think I've said this to both of you guys, like, outside of the pod, or maybe I've even said it on the pod, but, like, Richard Sherman's at that same point that, like, Elvis Dumerville was in 2017, where he's like, all right, he's a guy that you could count on to play 20 snaps and, you know, come in and rush the pass around third down. There isn't a designated cornerback role like there is a designated Mm -hmm. pass rusher role. Right, exactly. So that's, that's that's where I think... That's the point I think Sherman's at in his career. Like, like you probably are asking too much of him to play sixty plus snaps a game, but nowhere does it exist. Nowhere does like a part time cornerback role exist. So it's it's kind of a tricky spot. Um, and I like personally, like you know, I like Sherm. I, I've gotten to know Sherm pretty well. Obviously, I've reported a few different Sherm things. Um, Say Sherm again. Sherm? <laughs> should I call him Uncle Sherm? 
Yes. Um, <laughs> no, like I want, like I would be happier to see him land in like a TV role because he'll just crush it. And I think it would, it would just be, it would be better for him. I like, he's a competitor and I'm not, I would never, you know, tell a competitor like him, like what to do in his career. But like, I would rather see him kill it in a TV role than like go have some like subpar season where he's dealing with injuries and like not, not being as good as, as he wants to be. Um, you know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, that if Sherman does play, he, he's able to play at, you know, 2019 levels and stay healthy. But if not, like if, if that's not a sure thing, then like, man, go be on TV, go, go do your thing. Cause he, he would be excellent at TV and just like, Sherman's one of my favorite people to talk like football with or just about anything like basketball. Um, so like, I think, I think the, like the world, the sports world would be, would be lucky to have Sherman as like a prominent voice rather than just, uh, you know, a part-time corner at the, at the twilight of his career. It's a lot of really not smart dudes on TV talking football. He'd be so good. Agreed. I, so would you guys rather have him as a studio guy or like a like a color analyst covering like doing games? Because I think I would rather studio. have him on games. Oh, you'd have. Yeah, him I on think studio. I'd rather. I think I'd rather studio. This is See, I don't, Tracy just agreeing with me left and right. So I maybe I just have a general disdain. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just have a, a general disdain for the studio shows because I feel like they're rarely ever good or or particularly insightful. And, At least like the Sunday morning so, shows. I think like NFL Live and and. Um, you know, like the, the shows on NFL Network during, during the week do a good job. But I just, anytime so, I watch studio shows in the morning, I'm like, eh, it's not great. Maybe so they need why, someone great. Exactly. Yeah. That's fair. I think he'd be good in a, in a scenario where it's like, uh, hey, Sherm, we're going to give you three and a half minutes here to describe uh, what this offense is doing. Uh, and he can just kind of let it rip versus a color commentary role where, you know, it's truncated little blurbs where, you know, every once in a while he gets to say, you know, this is this guy's doing this or this guy's doing this. Uh, I would I would so much rather see him in a studio setting where, like you said, there are people who can be replaced by people who could do the job better. See, I, I think, think... Go ahead. Finish your thought. I just think that's where he'd be best. Go ahead. I think he would like. How do we think Tony Romo would be in studio? Do we think he'd really like move the needle at all in that role? No, I think Tony Romo's better at what he's doing. See, so, yeah, yeah. because I, I think energy. I think mm-hmm. Sherm would be the same way because Sherm does have sort of that same ability to look at the players on the field and predict what's going to happen. And I think he could bring a similar energy and enthusiasm to the booth that Romo does. Whereas, like, nope. if he, like, I feel like you're sort of bottling it up. Like, I, I want to hear Sherm react to the big play as they happen. Because I think there would be a real excitement and authenticity about it uh, on top of all the knowledge he has that would make for excellent television. Though he would be really good, like, in, like, the Dan Orlovsky role, like, breaking down defense 
on you know all twenty two tape and and doing things like that. I think he'd be excellent at that also. But I would rather see Sherm as as like one of the primary play by play or uh, color analyst guys with the play by play guy. Do you guys remember that press conference? I think it was twenty nineteen where he basically gave a scouting report on the entire defense. Do you remember that he went like was it after the play? Rams? The Rams. Game? I think it, I think so. And it was Jaquaski yes. Tart. Yes, Jaquaski Tart. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but he it was. It was at Levi's. I can like picture it. Oh, um, so the Rams game I'm no, thinking of was so it in the LA. Rams game. No, it was. I think it was at Levi's, and it may have been his Thursday press conference. I, I, I have to go back, and I could probably find it. But he gave a scouting report on the entire 49ers defense, and I'm imagining kind of like what Kyle said. Like he gets three and a half minutes in the morning to do that for like whatever the game of the week is, and then like at the halftime, at halftime of like every game you know, getting an opportunity to maybe do that for whatever game they're talking about at halftime. Cause obviously it's like different. They do different halftimes depending obviously when the game ends. Cause they do multiple of them. Um, so I just think that would be super cool. I agree with you. He'd be great as a color analyst. I just think he, I just think it would be really fun to see him in studio. And I think he might have a little, bit, like, a little more creative control on what he could talk about in studio. Is there somebody they could put, in studio that like like with Sherm that he like hates that would make for like awesome like Charles Barkley Draymond Green energy Michael Crabtree Russell Wilson Ooh, oh, Russ is a good one better. Russ is a really good one because because Crabtree I do not think would be good on television no probably not but that would kind of be the best part is that Sherman would just school him like the whole school yeah. hey I've got it hey I got it I'm I'm the winner Darrell Revis. Oh, Ooh, yes. Excellent. Very good. You guys, Very maybe good. we need to just create the show. That's awesome. That's a really good idea. Those two are not close friends. <laughs> no. Um, they don't dislike each other, but Sherman and Larry Fitzgerald on the same set would be excellent television also. Yeah. I get um, the idea Larry Fitz is just going to kind of disappear. Like you'll yeah, see I don't even – he's stuff, still a free agent, right? He hasn't yeah. signed. Dude, my man. What's his deal? Is he just a vibes guy, dude? He's just going oh, just it. full vibes guy. <laughs> vibes guy. <laughs> He's a vibes guy. Is that how you describe yourself, Kyle? You vibes guy. Uh, yeah, of course. Kyle's We're a big Hawaiian vibes guy. Shirt. We're in a Hawaiian shirt right now. It's Thursday, and I work. <laughs> you are a vibes guy. Vibes. I like it. The most important thing Kyle did last Saturday when we were in <laughs> Tahoe was was create the vibe. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, we can thank we, we have jukebox. Yeah. jukebox got vibes forever. Yeah. Shout out Touch Tunes, which is still an app on my phone. I just fired. I, up some I was getting at, a little at, some live play by play of the evening. Oh boy, um, not a lot, but some. Yeah, I might fire up the Touch Tunes right now and play some uh, play some Schoolboy Q at the Lucky Beaver in South Lake Tahoe. <laughs> the Lucky Beaver. God, um, honestly, I can't get over how good the cocktails were at Lucky Beaver. Really good place. Really Wild. Good place. I don't know if uh, it was a really out, good place, but the cocktails were incredible. And the vibes were good. You're welcome. Yeah, vibes are good because of our guy over here. Um, All right. I'm speaking of vibes, here. yeah, let's roll. Uh, appreciate Candlestick everybody hanging Chronicles. out. Yep, Candlestick Chronicles, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, if you did not listen to the episode earlier in the week, um, you should. We mentioned, we teased uh, a possible live event coming 
later this mm-hmm. summer. It's going to be so great. Possible. Um, which Tracy may or may not know about. Uh, so no spoilers, Tracy. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, but Tracy, is it exciting? Is it something that people should look forward to and keep an eye out for? Oh my God, yes, it's going to be amazing. Okay, I can't great. wait. That's a good endorsement. Glad we glad we brought you on just for that. That is genuine excitement. <laughs> this is the only reason they brought me on. He's like, eventually yeah. we're going to bring this up, and I know she's going to be excited. Yeah. So keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, trying to figure out when to make an, an official announcement, but it'll be a fun a fun thing for for us and um, everybody who listens and all that type of all that jazz. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Everybody enjoy your weekends. Uh, stay cool. Beat the heat. Uh, unlike us, and we'll talk to you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.